Hey, what is going on? It is Eric Bach, your host of the Look Great Naked podcast. Today, I sit down with John Vlakianakos of Strong John Fitness. You can check him out, Strong John Fitness on Instagram or on his podcast, the Strong John Fitness podcast. In this conversation, we break down the specific strategies to help busy parents lose body fat without restrictive diets. We dig deep into the stress, sleep, and craving cycle. As a parent, one of the hardest things is to control cravings and make good food decisions, especially when you're fatigue from making decisions all day. In addition, we also talk about why it's important to adjust your training and your nutrition strategies with that lack of sleep and the additional stress that you're going to have when you are a parent. When you listen to this podcast, you're going to be get a ton of step-by-step strategies that you can apply directly to your life and pretty good donut suggestion. So check out this podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe. And if you do have any questions, make sure to just reach out to me over on Instagram at Bach Performance or specifically to John at Strong John Fitness. Now for today's show. Talk about kind of a full circle moment, man, when you first kind of jumped into the online game and we were working together. And now you've got the customized weight plates in the background. For those of you watching, got the donuts. The branding is absolutely impeccable, John. It's uh, It's been a journey, man. I've, I've referenced you and uh, in our time together a few times actually of late. And just I think the memories of, of what we worked on and you really helped me set the foundation for for things online for sure. I really appreciate that. Nothing like seeing a, a pupil go on and thrive and take a foundational set of skills and, and make it your own. So that's been incredible to see. And John, you know, with your brand right now, you specifically focus on working with parents and helping them make fitness practical and sustainable. I get the feeling that a lot of that came from your experience and understanding how different being in shape is when you are maybe single, not married versus being a parent and having kids. Tell me about that evolution for you. 100%, man. I mean, when I got into fitness, I was going to help every anybody do anything. This is one of those things. I have often thought back, not to my single years, but no kids. I can spend as much time in the gym as I wanted. You know, I didn't have to think about anybody else when making my decisions for food. Time was a problem. Sleep wasn't a problem. And then you have a child and, and then every decision you make almost has to be with the filter of, okay, like how does this impact them? You know, or, or what's going on with them? Or they take time time priority over you. So that really did make a huge difference on how I was approaching my business because parents needed help too. I found it. I saw it the first six months of my of our firstborn. It was it was tough, man, getting the workouts in or getting food cooked and just staying consistent. I was like, man, okay, this, this is pretty hard. This is very different than my early 20s when I can just do whatever I wanted whenever. So yeah, that was, that was a big part of it is just I went through it. I got past it, got some results. I'm like, okay, well, I can use what I learned here and help others and just start tweaking my messages on social media and then my coaching to really hone in on the parents that are struggling putting themselves first. Yeah, it's a natural evolution of we experience things differently. And because of it, because wanting to share those experiences, it gives us a new layer of insight that we can use, of course, not only for ourselves and to help people you know, make a transformation, but it just provides such insight. I always find it hilarious when you see like the 22-year-old life coaches or like productivity coaches. And um, you know, even as somebody who got started in the coaching industry and in the online space early, you know, as I did when I was like probably 22, 23, I even sit back now and I laugh at like some of the advice that I gave to parents because I had no idea. Even if like the same core principles made sense, there is nothing that compares to actually being in the middle of it to having those nights. I had a couple last week where I slept on the floor because my daughter was sick. 
right? Like mm. not fun to get four hours of sleep, sleeping on the floor next to a crib, you know? And, you know, the context that you get for that and being able to apply it directly, you know, to your clients and being able to help people. You mentioned like how different it is when you get started and say, well, like when you're single or even when you're married before you have kids, what are the biggest changes that you personally notice? And let's start on the training side. Energy was the first thing to go, right? With, with the newborn comes a lack of sleep. I think we're very lucky, it seems, talking to other parents. Our kids were sleeping through the night since they were, I think, five months. I thought it was four months, but my wife would tell me it's five months and she's probably right. So there wasn't a huge length of time where they weren't sleeping through the night. I know some parents like, my kid's two and they still won't. I, I feel so bad. But energy is the one thing where obviously I wasn't in the gym long. Uh, I didn't have the the output to go in it for, for two hours or to do a ton of volume. It was just, I knew that I needed to move and it became more of, less about reps and sets and volume, but more about let me just get in the gym and move and do something that feels good, whether it's an upper body day or a full body day or just kind of messing around with the weights a little bit because I had that experience. I just needed to get some energy into my system. That was the biggest thing. And navigating that over time with busy schedules and now with two kids, that was a huge mental struggle for me in the beginning because I, I loved taking my 90 minutes or to two hours of training, doing as much as I wanted to, to now I'm like, I have 40 minutes right now, max, and that's a stretch. What can I do now? That was a big shift for me because I used to have like my gym time was my time. Nobody else, obviously COVID changed that, building a home gym here changed that. But then I also had to look at it of, I'm setting a standard for my sons in fitness, right? They get to watch me or work out with me now. Now, that to me is more important than daddy needs his alone time in the gym. Like, don't come talk to me for two hours. No doubt. And what you said that really stood out besides all of it was you have to set the expectation. I cannot recall who I heard this from. It could have been Luca Hosevar, Mike Milner, one of those two gentlemen. And they said, habits are not taught. They are caught. Meaning we might tell our kids one thing, but the reality is they're going to pick up on what we do and they're going to model it. The good, the bad, the ugly. You know, one of my earliest memories in terms of being physically active as a kid, you know, beyond just running around was I would always see my dad doing push-ups on the floor, right? He he was in martial arts, went to karate, would come back and being a little boy, want to jump all over dad, hang out, whatever the case. And just seeing him do those little things, me wanting to model that behavior created an interest. And you see it every day. I'm sure your boys now are to the point where, you know, they're seeing you do things and they're wanting to uh, to jump in with you, right? That's it. Yeah. And, and if I think, think back to mine, my dad wasn't very active. He played ball hockey for a short period of time. So I remember the games were late, so I didn't get to go much. But when I was there, I was like, cool, like I want to, that sounds good. I want to play. But fitness was never really a part of my upbringing. And that's something that I wanted to change for for my kids because I went through the whole puberty thing was not, was not fun for me. It was not, it was not kind to me. So I want to make sure that they have fitness and it's part of their identity growing up. For me, it was more, I was a hockey player and because I was heavier, I didn't like anything off ice training. I hated. I want to yeah. flip that script for my boys for sure. Yeah. No, that's a great, great insight. And so you mentioned, obviously, the sleep component is one aspect that really impacts everything. Keeping our focus on the training right now, what do you say when someone maybe is stuck? They've trained away a certain, they've trained a particular way for a long period of time. And their identity is somewhat in the way that they exercised. I see this with parents. I see this with athletes. I see it with people who've just been under the bar for a long period of time. What types of things did you focus on specifically? You mentioned just kind of going in and moving your body, but did you move 
move from something like a, a body part split because you're working those those big arms that you have, or like did he do more total body work? What would you recommend to that young parent who's saying, "Man, I've got to do something to get back in shape and, and feel the right way," but I'm not sure where to begin? Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it depends on where they're coming from too. If they haven't been exercising for a while, for me, it's a conversation of what can you actually handle right now, realistically, like realistically handle. I don't care if you were training five days a week two years ago. Life is different now, so. Usually it's a three day a week full body split for most. A lot of the people I work with either have something equipment at home or they're going to the gym. But for me, it's making sure that the workouts become a habit in their lives. So if, if we're setting up three days a week on, as a target, it's easier to manage than, all right, you're going up to five days a week right off the hop because if they get three out of five, three out of five, three out of five, they feel like they're failing. But if we set that target of three and they're going three for three, three for three, three for three, they're on top of the world. They're feeling great. And from there we can, we can play around with body part splits. If goals change if they have more time open up. But I think starting with it almost like a minimum effective dose for parents is, is the key there. Yeah. Get consistent with the behavior before you try to optimize it. Don't listen to what, you know, 24 year old Joe says over on uh, over on Instagram about needing to train with a high, uh, high frequency and, and be in the gym six days a week. Doesn't have to be that way. I love that. Okay. So we got 40 minutes. Maybe we're focusing on a total body workout split. What type of movements would you select? Are you, uh, you know, really big on like, you know, the compound exercises, you know, any big building blocks that you always factor in? Yeah. I'm just trying to get them to move in the major movement patterns. So a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, and then we'll We'll call them the accessory work, like smaller muscle groups, arms. Obviously, it's not a focal point for many parents as it was for me in my uh, teenage years. But just getting them to move around. A lot of the a lot of the parents I work with don't have access to barbell or are not equipped to go and train with a barbell. So if it's a goblet squat or a dumbbell squat, or they just want to use something like a leg press, I'm making sure that we're just we're spreading it out across each day where they're getting some variety. We're balancing out the output as well. We're not taxing the body every time we go work out because if you're doing three days total body you're not going balls to the wall every time which is good because for new parents we don't want to do that we want to reserve some of that energy so we can keep this going across the weeks yeah it's about really dialing in that long-term consistency and you mentioned the recovery component where a lot of people fall off is they have this expectation of being able to train and recover in a way that they did before. And depending on their mindset, if they're all in or all out, that can be a very difficult thing because when sleep, which everyone understands is going to be compromised, especially in the early days, when that's compromised, your ability to recover from everything else is going to go down the drain. Your ability to handle as much volume goes down. Your joint recovery is going to go down because inflammation is going to be up. And so setting the expectations in terms of what you can do and how your body is going to be different is a crucial aspect, at least that I've seen, to really getting all these components dialed in. And you mentioned, you know, building workouts around these particular movement patterns. So what is the benefit of somebody doing something like a a squat variation three days per week? Like what happens directly within the muscle itself? How does that improve versus, you know, setting up a body part split and missing two workouts per week? Well, I feel like it's, it's multifaceted, right? I mean, we want parents to move. We want their whole bodies to move. And I feel like, I mean, most of the clients I work with want to shed body fat. So for me, it's more, we're going to burn a little bit more calories each workout if we're doing your full body versus just focusing on an arm day, right? I don't believe most parents would need specific body part splits, A, just because of the pure volume of it all. And B, I think most parents just want to feel good and move without pain. So if we're moving in those compound 
movements over the week, multiple times per week, we develop the flow. We develop, you know, the muscles around it, the strength, the muscular endurance, and and typically we reduce pain. I mean, strength is never a weakness. And I mean, the stronger your legs get overall, you're going to feel better, you know, as long as it's balanced out. I just found in doing that, most parents, you can probably attest to this too, from your earlier training years, you want to be able to move without pain. So you you don't want to go to failure for your legs. Like a, a leg day for me still is like, holy shit, I got to mentally prepare for this because I'll probably yeah. be sore the next day. And, and it's no fun when you have young ones and they want to jump all over you or crawl around or whatever. You can't move and you can't sit on the toilet without pain. You can't walk up like, like that doesn't really help. So for me, it's more, you know, if you like a back day or a push day, it's like, okay, cool. But are you gonna be able to move and operate as you want to as a parent, pick up your kids, put them in the car seats, do all these things if you're rigid and stiff and sore. So with the total body, we reduce the intensity. That way they can continue to hit those muscle groups, get stronger and improve without all the soreness of holy, I just killed my my back last week. No doubt. Those are all huge things. And I think it's really important as well, depending on the person's level, you know, that they're coming in on. But like when we train muscle groups more often, we are training our body on a neuromuscular level to be more efficient at that exercise. And so what I see is actually a lot of people who don't exercise. How many parents do we know that bends down, pick up their kid? Oh, back issue. Well, they don't have any mechanics when it comes to a hinge or they have to make that quick move, you know, to grab a kid and like they pull the muscle. And so when you do a total body workout and you're moving these basic kind of primal movement patterns more consistently, it can prevent a lot of those things. And you tapped into the, the impact of actually feeling a little bit better. Man, I'm, I'm full of quotes today, but like motion is lotion for your joints, right? Like when you start taking everything through that full range, that's how you build stability. That's how you build strength and be able to control it and can reduce pain a ton. Now you mentioned like bringing the intensity and the volume back especially in a lower body day. I think that's really, really smart uh, because you can't recover, obviously, without as much sleep with all these different impacts going on. So is there a typical like set in rep scheme that you focus on? For example, I know you're not doing heavy doubles or triples, you know, under a barbell. Are you tapping into higher rep training, say 15, 20, where there's more metabolic stress or what does that look like? Uh, it depends on the person. I mean, two things I like to use with clients and, and really teach them from a get-go is I'll use actually rep ranges instead of a rep target for each exercise. So instead of it being three yeah. by eight, it's going to be three by six to eight or three by eight to 10. So that way they can sort of self monitor on a day where they have a little bit more juice in the tank. Cool. Go for it. If you have those extra two to hit 10 instead of eight, but if you don't stay at the eight, like don't stress about always trying to increase. I think one of the biggest problems too, with those that maybe aren't don't have a background or aren't structured is they'll try to go as heavy as they can for as many reps as they can for everything or, or hit that rep yeah. target, no matter what. And they're burnt and they're sore and they're not recovering. And that just leads to it. And then the other side of it is reps and reserve. Reps and reserve in RPE, to me, the sign of the same, but reps and reserve I found were, was just more intuitive to the brain of you have this many reps left in the tank after a set. Now, this is a skill that a lot of people take time to understand what that actually means. Basically, repetitions and reserve is you're going to do an exercise for a set amount of weight, maybe what you usually do. And at the end, you're going to ask yourself truly how many reps did you have left or how many reps could you have done? more of for that exercise. So this is a way to prevent not I want to say overtraining, but prevent pushing too far when you don't need to as a parent, I'd much rather someone left reps in the tank than to go balls out failure every set. And a lot of yeah. the parents when I started doing that, it was refreshing to them that they didn't have to go hard or all the way out for every single set. 
because some days as a parent, you know, we, we just don't have it. So we can have that and like, oh, cool, I can, I can do the lesser rep on you know, the range and I have some reps to work with in the tank. I can manage this workout. I think it's the mental game of I don't have rep max test today or I don't have to push to failure every time. That in itself sometimes is, is just helps them overcome the barrier to get the workout done. Yeah, that's such a smart way to think about it. Like what, what are the barriers that prevent people from being consistent? Sometimes it's time, of course, that's always going to be an obstacle with with kids. But secondarily, it's is this going to beat me up? Is this going to be brutal when I do not have the mental bandwidth to handle a full day at work, responsibilities at home, and a workout that could be leaving me sore and stumbling to get off the toilet? Like that's not an ideal situation either. No, I love that perspective. So we've talked about the workouts, maybe from a structured weightlifting sense. Now, what about daily movement? Obviously, with young kids, like you're picking up, moving around. Do you aim for like a step count? Just tie in any daily movement on the days when people aren't in the gym. What do you recommend for for a parent? Step counts are, are a great target. Now I know not everyone has you know the Fitbits or Apple Watches to keep track. I've actually thanks to my coach Alan Alan Bacon, shout out to him. He had me just buy an old man pedometer, <laughs> clip it onto my waist to keep track of my steps. With step counts, it's important to kind of gather data first to see where they're at. I can't blanket tell someone, hey, you got to hit 10,000 if they're hitting 3,000 for the day. So again, it's meeting yeah. them where they're at, setting them realistic targets. Step count to me is probably one of the easiest things. Um, you can tell people to go for a walk each day too, but step count is more of that. How are you moving throughout the day and how much are you moving Right. If we're desk bound, you know, as an online coach now, this is kind of what I do. And I can, I can get a sense of my day of when I walk my older son to school or not, how many sets of money get. Right. If I'm walking my dog or my wife's doing, how many money do you get? Am I puttering around the house? So I have very good self awareness of my day and what step count will probably hit. Most people I'd argue don't. So I think that's a great target to set of let's find how much you're moving. Let's try to increase that without adding anything crazy of like other exercises, cardio based, hit training, just all the other things that people think of immediately before thinking about just how they move day to day. That's where you go from there. Yeah. Increasing that daily step count without even thinking of structured cardio is the foundational piece. I know you mentioned like different schedules that you have. I know this morning, I typically walk the dog at about 6 a.m. It's about a 30 minute walk, like at 3000 steps, whatever it is. And on the days when I don't, I'm like, okay, how am I going to weave more activity in to this day throughout? Uh, but I think one of the most important things that I've seen and that I've done with my clients as well is just try to set up something in the morning if you can, even for 10 minutes of light movement, say before you know a kid gets up or tying something in around lunch if you've got that lunch hour break, or even going for a walk as a family when the weather gets a little bit warmer in the evening. It's a great way to integrate that family feel. And when you do it specifically around your meals, we can also improve postprandial insulin sensitivity. So in English, that's going to mean your body's going to take the food, the carbohydrates that you're using, and it's going to partition it better, meaning fewer the carbohydrates that you're consuming and the extra calories, fewer around your waistline, more being burned up as energy. And so you can create a body that goes and burns through that fuel a lot more efficiently over time just by increasing that step count. And it doesn't even need to be structured walks that are happening at different points. It can be you're moving around because you're cleaning stuff up around the house because your three and a half year old likes to leave shoes absolutely everywhere. That's my daughter, right? And so all those little things can make a huge, huge difference in terms of weight loss and health. Okay. So obviously sleep is going to be a huge aspect that prevents a lot of people from sometimes making progress, but sometimes we can work around that. So what happens to the body when we're not getting enough sleep? Like how does that impact our exercise recovery and even like nutrition and mindset? Sleep deprivation is a, is a form of torture, right? I think, I mean, just for starters, when you're not sleeping or not sleeping well, energy's down the drain, right? You, you automatically have less energy and mentally everything, in my, at least in my opinion, everything feels harder than it normally is. 
your decision making, your, you know, your sharpness, if you're doing calls, you're doing work, things like that, everything kind of feels tougher. So if everything already feels tougher, you're almost less motivated to do the things you're supposed to do or you plan for yourself that day. But recovery wise, it's just you have more chances of being sore, you know, workout to workout, right? So again, we're not really overtraining, but it's under recovering between the sessions. This is where that light movement does really help come in. Yeah. And nutrition, nutrition choices are <laughs> choices are tougher, right? It's it's much easier to tap a couple buttons on your phone and order something than get up and cook when you're tired. Absolutely. Cravings really can can skyrocket when you're already feeling under not under the weather, but you're not rested. You just want to eat the comfort food. You want the things that are good. You know, we're going to make you feel good. You get that dopamine hit, order the pizza, make the pasta, whatever it might be, grab some donuts. And then when you there are eating, <laughs> when you are eating your, your fullness uh, and satiety levels are all out of whack, right? And nothing's really as satisfying as it normally is. And then you feel hungrier more often. Digestion's thrown off. Water retention is increased. Like there's so many things that I think maybe people don't realize when you're chronically under sleeping or under recovering. I don't want to call it the silent killer because that sounds terrible, but it, it slowly adds up and it's easy to creep up and you don't even realize it's there because that's become your new norm. That's spot on. And you know what? I will call it the silent killer because every single physiological process in your body is negatively impacted when we're not getting enough sleep. And obviously there are time periods when that's part of the game. But it's also something that a lot of people don't prioritize, even before or after kids waking them up, right? And it's the underlying thing that makes everything in your body, if you get enough sleep, every single hormone in your body is going to function more effectively. Your decision making is going to go through the roof. Digestive quality is going to go up. Bloating, water retention, all of that stuff that you know people hate when our clothes don't fit after a meal. All that stuff improves when you focus on the sleep component. But I think it's important to understand how it ties in into everything else. And the beautiful thing that you do, John, with with your content across the board is like you kind of highlight how when you're not getting enough recovery, your ability to train is going to go down. So you have to be very intelligent with the way that you do it. We've covered that aspect with the, the training. Now, what type of nutrition advice do you focus on? Because I know as a parent, yeah, sometimes the last thing you want to do is make another decision around food. And a lot of times the quick and convenient things are not going to be the good ones. I mean, number one thing with, with clients is protein. Just because sleep deprived or not, majority of the population under eats protein, right? Whether it's habitual, whether it's just learned behavior. So that's generally where I start with everyone is just, can we increase your protein intake at every meal that you're having? And with everyone, it's a slightly different approach because I'm not giving them, you know, a strict meal plan. I'm not telling them they have to eat at certain times or frequencies or anything like that. It's working with them and their lifestyle. But if I'm noticing someone's getting 50 grams of protein a day, that's going to impact recovery, right? You're not going to, you're not going to feel good. Your, your sessions are going to, they're not going to give you the return that you need from them. So protein is where we start. Um, and then just kind of seeing the patterns on what they're eating. A lot of parents do tend to lean on convenience. A lot of moms have a habit of not eating much throughout the day. And then dinner's big and then after dinner's big. That's probably the most common thing I've seen. And that in itself is its own cycle, right? If you think about it, you don't eat a lot during the day. And then you have a massive dinner, snack after dinner when the kids go to bed. And then you wake up, you're not hungry because of all the calories you ate after six o'clock. And then the cycle continues again. So you're not hungry. So you don't eat all day, massive dinner, snacks. So that's been one cycle I've had to work with a lot of moms on because they learn that, you know, small meals throughout the day is better for fat loss, right? It's, it's kind of beating those, those trends into the ground again, because they just, they never go away. Different things like that, depending on situations where we're kind of going to focus. Yeah. That's something that I see a lot as well. And so I'm somebody who likes intermittent fasting for me at certain time periods for some of my clients during very certain time periods. But it's one of those dietary trends that can spiral out of control if it's not done properly. And one thing that I see, this is what I call it, is called the hunger boomerang. And this is especially when you're busy, when you're stressed out, 
you get used to something, just using intermittent fasting as the example, or it could just be eating a very light meal early in the day that you're stressed, you're running on caffeine, you're, you know, running on adrenaline, you know, just to keep your eyes up because you're getting five hours of sleep a night that's broken up, you know, every, every 90 minutes. And when you finally have a chance to relax, the cravings just hit. And that's when a lot of people say, hey, I'm really not eating that much. And in reality, a lot of the stuff they're getting, especially at second dinner, which listen, second dinner can be glorious, no doubt, but it can be a really easy way to dramatically overconsume calories without having any of the satisfaction throughout the day because it is a reactive response. It's not something that people are doing really proactively. It becomes more of a compulsive way just to take control back into their day, right? And so you mentioned the protein component in trying to get that in. Obviously, it's highly individual, but like, what would you recommend? Would you recommend like equal protein feedings throughout the day? Like, even if people want to eat lighter, is it like, hey, at least have a protein shake in the morning, have a couple eggs? Like, give me a sample structure here. Yeah, I mean, typically I'd say minimum of 20 to 30 grams at every meal, right? And everyone obviously is going to be different, whether your goal is 200 grams a day or it's you know 120 grams a day. It's, it's making sure that kind of the same thing with the exercise frequency throughout the week, right? It's not an overwhelming target. Someone who's eating 50 grams of protein a day, if I know personally they need to be having 150 grams or more, I can't set that target right off the hop because I got to get them to 100 grams first. And then we and then we build up from there. So for me, I mean, if I if I give you a quick process and how I do it, after I take, get someone new in their first week, get them to track their food, my fitness pal, I get to learn their habits. I get to learn what they're eating. In week two, I get to dig into their diary, send them a screen share video, giving them feedback on what it is that they were having. How can I help them? How can we optimize this meal? What is this that you logged here? Seeing any of my fitness pal errors, just really giving them that customized approach on optimizing their food and, and protein. I probably say that word 50 times in a 10 minute video, just because I know that's what they're going to need. Yeah. But that's that's usually where we'll start is, is trying to get a minimum of 20. If it's a shake or if it's ideally not a bar, but when in a pinch, having things ready for you rather than going to your closest drive through is going to be better for you. No doubt. Sets so the environment up for success. And even when the decision-making process wants to pull you in a different way, you're going to take the convenient one. So you might as well to make the convenient one going to be a little bit healthier. I like how you gradually ramp up the protein intake. How do you do that with somebody and maybe they run into issues with digestion. Maybe they haven't eaten a lot of protein for a while. It's taken their body a little bit of time to to ramp that up. Like, do you have any go-to sources or strategies? Probably even more of a, a closer ramp up, I think, with them, right? And, and looking into what protein they're having currently. If Are they getting it from meat? Are they are they trying to get it in with all processed things? Like protein shakes have their place, protein bars have their place, but I don't think they should be the main source of protein for people. I think we need, we need to chew. We need to eat. We need the micronutrients from, from the lean meats. So just looking into where they're getting it from, and I just think helping them gradually, you know, is it the protein that's causing the digestion is the other one, right? I've had a client who just ate too many vegetables that was upsetting their stomach. So just taking a well-rounded look at, at what they're eating. But that's the other thing too, is if you're eating 50 grams of protein a day and you want to triple that, you can't really do that that fast because you'll probably feel pretty crappy for the next week or so at least. Yeah, your digestion will not be fun. Add in the fact you're not getting a whole lot of sleep. That can uh, really ruin the night even further for, for somebody else if you're letting it rip below the sheets. But that's a whole <laughs> other story. <laughs> okay, so nutrition. We want to focus on the lean protein. What about like convenient meals? I mean, do you ever do recommend meal prep if that's in someone's budget? Eating like meal prep, doing the same things consistently. What kind of strategies help reduce the number of decisions that people have to make around food and save time? Yeah, so this is it's interesting you bring this up because things have changed for me personally in this area. So I was always the take Sunday, cook a couple of proteins, cook some starch, cook some veg, pack it up, make sure it's ready just because it was easier. And then what I found was 
that would last for three, four days. And then when the Wednesday or Thursday came around and I didn't have anything ready, that Thursday dinner of in the last, you know, last year was, it was sushi order in. It was, it just became this thing. I'm like every Thursday I'm stressed, tired and hungry and I have nothing ready. So something's going on here and then deciding what to cook, how to cook it. I mean, I can cook. I just haven't had the mental energy to want to spend too much time in the kitchen and figure out new recipes. And like, that's not something I'm in for right now. Maybe when I'm older and the kids are older, they'll help. So for right now, actually, I've, I've dove into a meal prep service. It's been, uh, I think it's been a month now. It's been awesome. <laughs> like it's been, I'm so happy. It's been, it's, it's a bit more of an expense, let's say, but it's an investment in my health at the same time. I've been able to drop weight almost effortlessly. The mental energy that I used to spend thinking about my next meal, it's not there anymore and I can spend it elsewhere. Um, I get lunches and dinners from Monday through Friday and it's that's it. It's perfect. I don't have to think. I, I can just pick whatever's in the fridge, whatever's next. I'm like, oh, it's like a game. It's like, oh, what am I eating today? But I pick the menu that comes to my house. It's all protein packed options. So that's that's been if you have the budget for it, meal prep services are honestly a life changer, especially if you don't like cooking. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's something we found, too. We really dove in, especially as we moved to uh, to Charleston, um, a great meal prep service. And we've got a chest freezer filled with everything you could imagine. And, you know, when we when we use that, it's automatic for lunches. And I'm going to use that sometimes it's for dinner as well. A lot of times we'll do like a small breakfast as a family, which is a, uh, which is good. Just a little connection thing. But then if we don't have to think about what to do for lunch, we can just go focus on work, get that stuff done. And then at dinner, again, it's going to depend a little bit A meal prep service can be great. If you can get your kids to like be involved in, in the kitchen, like that's also a great tool that I found, at least in terms of developing some of those habits. Um, sometimes it really backfires with a, uh, with a toddler, but <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, by and large, by and large, if you can reduce the number of decisions you have to make around food, the better it's going to be, especially when that willpower is depleted because frankly, it gives you fewer times to lean into that stress response and do something compulsive. Well, the other thing I found too was if I'm buying 10 meals a week, I'm not throwing money away. I'm, I'm eating those 10 meals, right? And if I look at my calendar before I have to order them, like, you know, are there any days where, you know, I, I won't need them? You know, are we going out or going away or something like that? So I can always control that. But I found it was just like, I know the family, like that's my meal sitting there ready to go if I need it when I need it. And the other thing I've done, and I just posted about this last week was I'm not thinking about food anymore throughout the day. I'll have my breakfast, protein shake, coffee, and sometimes some fruit with that. Lunch is one of those meals. I don't eat again until dinner. And then after dinner, I'll usually have a Greek yogurt bowl, something like that. But I don't eat between meals anymore because I don't have to. I'm like, well, these, this is my lunch. This is my dinner. Again, mental energy, I'm not really focused on it. I think people do put too much mental energy, think too much about food. What's the next meal? What am I eating? What am I eating? And that just, I think just bogs people down, man, especially when a parent, everything else you got going on, it's a lot. Hey, the more decisions you have to make, again, the bigger chance for error, especially when there's an emotional component and there's fatigue, you know? And so the more you can simplify, success comes down to the ruthless execution of the basics. Like find the foods that you enjoy, stick with them consistent meals. Can you have some variability? Of course you can. Like you should be able to have a donut that like I literally have donut FOMO looking at your weights behind you right now. And the reality is like you can make time and fit that stuff in. But to do it effectively is going to require some automation and simplification on the other days. Uh, just an example that popped up because it's a big donut. Every Wednesday, my daughter and I, we go out and we have ice cream. This is like our little, you know, daddy daughter date, right? And it's like, I just simplify by making better decisions on the other times. And I fit that in. We have pizza together as a family on Fridays. And it's just about setting those habits and behaviors so you can, so you can enjoy more freedom and flexibility from having that structure on the other times. 100%. Well, that's the thing people always ask, like, how do you eat donuts all the time? Like it was, it was Nutella day last weekend. So obviously I'm going to grab some Nutella donuts because that's, I love them. It's because everything else is just, it's, 
I hit my calories or below, but my protein is high and I make sure I have some wiggle room for it for the weekend if I need it. That And that's, again, it comes down to just being okay with repetition. I think that's another thing people have a hard time with. The more variety you try to force into your diet, the harder it's going to be to stick to anything long-term, but also implement those fun times. I had clients two years ago, every night they were trying to make something new. And I was like, guys, can we just save the new recipes for like maybe one a week? Lean into this yeah. repetition because then you're spending and they have young kids too. I'm like, it's too much time wondering your next meal and trying to find the log of the recipe and doing this. And it's like, this is part of the reason why we're not really being consistent or seeing the progress we want. It's because it's just too much up in the air, too much guesswork is just find something you love, repeat it till you're sick of it, find another thing you love, repeat it. And I think that's just easy, but I don't know if it's where we are now in, in society or what it is, but I think maybe people are afraid of repetition or they think it's a bad thing. I'm not sure. I think to an extent, like, you know, food in a lot of ways is more than more than just numbers. We all know that it connects. It's literally connected like every civilization for holidays for the longest time. And so there are a lot of different layers to it. And I think in some ways food is a way for people to retake control of decisions and to give something that's going to have immediate gratification, which we know is also a growing issue in civilization or society as a whole right now as well. So I think those components really tie in. But it's again, yeah, like you can enjoy those things, but you've just got to lock in that structure and consistency in the other areas. In terms of meals, a couple of things I found really helpful is just buying a bunch of different seasoning variations. Flavor Gods is a website, like you can get all kinds of different things there. I like to cook, so like I get all these different rubs, so like I can have different spicy flavorings, whatever it is, and just rotate through things. And you can easily, if you're gonna have like a baseline of like a protein and a vegetable and a starch, you know, one could be Mexican, you know, one could be like a spicy Thai chili, and you can just rotate through and get these different things just by changing the seasoning, which adds zero calories for most cases, and keeping the same, you know, core food. So hopefully that's something that people can, you know, directly take away and apply. Let's talk about the biggest battle. I think this is the biggest battle that parents have, and it's that late night snacking. What are some better options you recommend for that after bedtime, second, third dinner craving that just ramps up right when you want to melt into the couch and watch Netflix? Eat bigger meals throughout the day first is your is your defense first, right? <laughs> that I mean, that, and I sound like a dick saying that, but it's, it's like if you're eating enough throughout the day, you shouldn't really be hungry. The other thing with cravings, again, shout out to my coach, Alan, or ex-coach Alan, it was cravings. They're not cravings if they're happening every night at the same time and you're wanting the same thing every It's not a craving anymore. It's a habit, right? So that's oftentimes when, when clients say, I've been craving this and craving that. I'm like, okay, well, is this happening often? Is it happening at the same time? And is there something that leads up to this moment that makes you want it? Because cravings are, they happen, but if it's every night, same time, I want chocolate, you've created the habit of every night at nine, you want chocolate. That just becomes your new norm. So that's a, that's a part of it. Again, I think if you, if you want to eat at nine o'clock, that's cool. I have no problem with that. It's not going to harm you. What are you eating, right? What is the volume of eating? And don't, don't just raid the pantry, right? Oh, there's so many things I can say here too. It's like, if you're, if you're wanting to lose fat, take an audit of your pantry first. And those of us with kids who have kid snacks, my rule of thumb is if it's a kid snack, it's not your snack. Don't eat it, right? I don't know if you guys do bear paws at your house. Bear paws. And other, okay. Yeah, don't. I mean, they're not that good anyways, but kids, the kids love them. But I'm like, I'm not eating my kids bear paw. Like that's their kid snack. If I start eating them, Hey, they're not good. B, I have to go buy more. It's a double loss for me. So it's like, 
plan things for yourself that makes sense. And again, if you can keep it protein focused, even better, right? That way you're getting, you know, some, some, your blood sugar is not going crazy before bed. It'll fill you. It'll keep you full. That's why I tend to do, yo- I, I try to do yogurt bowls for breakfast. I didn't really like it. I like it more as a nighttime ice cream replacement yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, in terms of eating uh, after nine, audit your pantry, don't raid your pantry. And if I had to give a quick blanket tip is don't eat out of the container for whatever snack it is, portion it aside, decide what you're eating. And there's no seconds. No second, second dinner. No, I love those. Um, I'm a big fan of the Greek yogurt as well. One thing I've taken to actually occasionally I'll do like a little bit of protein and oatmeal, even in the evening. Yeah, nice. It just has a lot of fiber in there as well. It takes up room, which uh, scratches that itch, so to speak. Frozen food or frozen fruit. If you take like a frozen banana, um, you can even do like frozen blueberries and like a scoop of protein in a very small amount of water. Like you really have to be gradual about this and you blend it. It can actually get the consistency of ice cream. So like one or two bananas, like you can do like one or two bananas and then you can find cinnamon cereal protein, either Legion or Quest. Like if you're listening to this right now, you need to write this shit down. Trust me. It's one or two bananas frozen and then like a scoop of protein and just a little bit of water and just enough so you get the consistency of ice cream. It is absolutely bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really have a sweet tooth, you could add like one square of dark chocolate, you know, break it up and throw that in there. Also a fantastic post-workout during the hot summer months. Putting this up on game, man. This is great. Have you have you gotten know, a creamy? Man, have you gotten a creamy? Everyone's gotten the ninja creamy. I'm, I'm the, I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't got that yet. Um, I do not. I have an old ninja, so that works still well enough for okay. me. But the, the creamy is like yeah. the ice cream maker. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know what? I think it's just a skill you have to develop. I'm just going to trust you on that my, one. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. So what is the best donut? Bar oh, my God. Pick one, gun your head. Man. Where are we going? I see. I don't like this question because there's so many like it's like asking where the best what the best pizza toppings are. It depends on where you get it from. So I don't even know if I have like an, if All I had to pick cool. like just general doesn't matter where it comes from. It's probably and this is going to sound terrible. It's, it's probably going to be an apple fritter, which sounds so weird because as a kid, I hated them. But as an adult, I'm like, these are probably one of the best things I've ever had. Hey, they're classic. I mean, you can buy donuts that have just about everything on there. I've made a few trips to uh, Voodoo Donuts at different you know time periods throughout the nice. uh, couple in Denver, Austin. Absolutely fantastic. It's been a while since I've had one. But yeah, apple fritter sounds pretty bomb. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty bomb. All right, John. So, man, we've really run through the gamut. The final question I have for you here, still related. Obviously, we want to talk about looking great naked. That's an important aspect. But like, what does somebody do when they're starting to feel some shame? Maybe some embarrassment about maybe it's that late night binge or maybe they know they need to do something for their health and they're not. And every time that they don't, they beat themselves up further and they just get stuck in this kind of shame cycle. How do you handle something like that? That's a good question. I mean, first, I mean, if you have a coach or a support system, talk to them, right? I, I think oftentimes I face this personally. Some people I know, the more you keep things in and internalize it, the worse they feel, the worse they get. So having someone to talk to about it, whether it's a therapist or a coach or just a close friend, I think that's a great first step without having to do much else. The second thing is kind of zoom out and, and try to understand why this actually, why why do you feel this way? Like, why, why should you feel bad about a binge, right? Does it make you feel like a failure? Does it make it feel like, you know, you're not worth the effort? Is it related to your history when trying to lose body fat, right? If you try these things where these programs where it was all or it was nothing, right? You had to be a certain way or you you failed. There's so many factors involved with shame and food that's, it's so tough and I don't pretend to be an expert in it, but I know that, I mean, making yourself feel bad is never going to help you progress and move forward towards what you want. Nobody, I don't think anyone's ever gotten, no one's ever gotten to look great naked by making themselves feel like a piece of shit for it. Not that I know personally, anyway. Talking it out, writing things down, you know, uh, is this reality or is this something I'm just telling myself is another one. And I think 
one thing I learned from my buddy Sam Forge is, is turnaround time. You did have a binge. It happened. You got to just move on. And the next, how how quick does it take you to make a good decision next? Get a workout and go for a walk. Have some protein. Something that's in line with what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. If the turnaround time is short, you'll be back on your way in no time. If the turnaround time is two weeks, we got a lot more work to do, I think, on that end. That's a great perspective. Turnaround time. Get back to making a decision that's in alignment with the person that you want to be. I think that's such an important piece. Instead of holding on to, to guilt, Instead of feeling terrible about something that, frankly, maybe you maybe shouldn't even feel terrible about, as you mentioned, it never helps. It never does. John, this was an incredibly insightful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your wisdom, and your donut expertise. <laughs> Where can we find out more about you, brother? Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on and and, uh, and having this chat and bringing me on the podcast. I always love sharing, whether it's donuts or, or parent tips. You can find me on Instagram, Strong John Fitness. There is no H in John. I always have to kind of preface that. Uh, I spell it the weird way and uh, strongjohnfitness.com. I actually have my own podcast, the Strong John Fitness Podcast. So kind of Strong John Fitness everywhere if you put it into Google. Awesome. Gang, make sure you go check out John. He puts out absolutely banging content on a just about daily basis. So check it out. Subscribe. Ask any questions. He's always open to help out. Until next time, look great naked without living in the gym. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend, 